This is Nanya, an interview podcast where we get up close and personal with the local entrepreneurs of Vancouver. These self-starters are changing the game of small business, and we get to hear their stories. I will forever be your host, Skylar Dietz, and the following is Nanya Business. Welcome, everyone, to episode one of Nanya. I am your host, Skylar Dietz, and we have in the studio today my very first guest, and what an honor she is, a former right hand to the president and CEO of SpaceX and Tesla Motors, former chief of staff at Axiom Zen, former office of the CEO for Lululemon, current plant and flower connoisseur, <laughs> as the founder and CEO of Ladybuds, a beacon of female empowerment, a pioneer of floral <laughs> sustainability, and lucky for me, also my girlfriend. Yay! Welcome, <laughs> Alyssa Sager. Hi, folks. Hi, Hi honey. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for helping me do my very first podcast episode. You're so welcome. And it's your first podcast ever, right? Ever. It's amazing. I'm scared. The world of firsts. Don't be scared. I'm not scared. You're, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. I want to talk. I want to jump right in. Um, I introduced you as the owner, the founder, CEO of Ladybuds. That's right. I want you to tell the folks, the good folks of Vancouver. This is a business podcast focusing on Vancouverites and their small business. Tell the folks of Vancouver what Ladybuds is and what they're all about. Yeah, we're a sustainable flower company and we're all about getting... Flowers on your table, beautiful, gorgeous, locally grown flowers on your table at a reasonable price, um, sustainably sourced, and yeah, on the regular basis. On the regular. On the regs. On repeat. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we say. Yes. Oh, yes, that's right. Be- beauty on repeat. Beauty on repeat. I love yeah. that. And locally sourced, what does locally sourced mean? Because a lot of people say locally sourced, but that can just be a label, right? What does that mean for from you, from you and from your company. Right. So a majority of our flowers are grown here in BC, in British Columbia. Um, the only flowers and plants, we also sell plants in our store, mm-hmm. um, not online yet, but um, the plants and flowers that are grown elsewhere are grown in North America only, and we say driven and not flown. So um, because the carbon footprint of flowers that are flown in are is outrageous. So You told me about this. Yeah. The statistics are literally outrageous something like if you drove a truck full of flowers from miami to vancouver Mm -hmm. the impact would be extremely less than if you flew like any distance that's right from yeah from ecuador or miami to vancouver wasn't didn't you it was i don't know you think you told and this me this is the stats. stat that I wanted to print out? But oh, I right. We didn't look it up yet. But, but I think on your website. <laughs> I have a whole list and yeah, I forgot it. Um, there's, there's some stat that says it. I don't want to incorrectly quote it um, or let's give you inaccurate information. But but it's obscene, right? It's, it's about, obscene, yeah. It's the, about 10 times less impactful on the environment. Or more, yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's outrageous. So, um, yeah, I right now I'm sticking to driving because I don't think. It's something that's ephemeral and lasts just a week or two on your, well, hopefully two, <laughs> on your dining room table should uh, come from so far. Right. Right. Because, and have because, such a huge carbon footprint, I mean. Because where else are they coming from? It, the people that aren't you, the, your, other, the other, your competition, your other florists. Right. In town, where are they getting their plants? South Africa, from? Australia, um, 
everywhere, like Europe, Netherlands, Colombia, Ecuador, all over the world, um, they're imported. And that's because it's cheaper labor in a lot of these places and like exceptionally cheaper labor. We have more buying power with our dollar. I mean, not really Canada as much, but mm -hmm. <laughs> they come into North America mm -hmm. and then they get to us. Um, I mean, a lot of the flowers are flown into like Miami or big hubs and then shipped by truck or another flight into Vancouver. So it's like multiple flights, um, multiple legs and with a huge carbon footprint just to get, you know, a cotton ball from Israel to your, <laughs> to your doorstep, <laughs> to your, to your wedding your or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's I think if people really saw the, the trip and the course that these flowers take, they would probably think twice about getting them. Right. You know, I should do that. I should like create a map and really like show like, hey, here's a bouquet that came, you know, from this bouquet doesn't just cost forty, fifty dollars, sixty dollars. Right. This Let costs... me tell you where each stem came from and the carbon footprint of that stem. This I'm literally going to I'm going to do that. <laughs> Eight thousand carbon bucks. That's yeah. A lot. More. Do you think do you think carbon bucks? That's a good way to monetize. That's not bad. Eh? <laughs> It's like, it's like a carbon, a carbon tax, but, but like retail. I in the kind retail of world. like the idea of making, hold on, like a rewards program oh. and you give carbon bucks. Hey, but, five. five. But <laughs> that's what that was, folks. Yeah. I said it out loud <laughs> as we were doing. Sound effects included <laughs> on this show. And, and where do you buy these from? So I know, I know you quite well. We've been dating for a little while now. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that almost three times a week, at least in busy season, mm -hmm. you're at the flower auction mm -hmm. early, early, early in the morning. That's right. What tell me <laughs> tell me about this flower auction? So it's a traditional Dutch auction, which means the prices start high and go lower, which is kind of weird, but it allows the buyer to set the price. But anyway, that's right because the there's 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 clocks, right? The countdown time, and you have to. Yeah, there are four clocks yeah. um, that operate three times a week and those clocks have like cut stems greenery plants all sorts of things sometimes like garden plants and essentially it's it's a co-op and it's um a growers co-op cooperative where a lot of uh the local growers greenhouses and from throughout canada ship in their flowers three times a week flowers and plants and sell them um on the auction and so i'm competing with the big buyers from whole foods to you know safeways um, and every other, you know, florist. And unfortunately, because the demand for flowers from abroad have become so great, it has become so great, um, the market here and the growers have stopped growing as much because it is a little bit more expensive to get flowers locally, um, which is ridiculous, right? Like you can get 20 cents roses for, per stem from Colombia and Ecuador because of cheap labor and, uh, you know, and it's flown in. Versus, you know, the seventy-five to a dollar cent stem that I spend mm -hmm. on roses from local farms, Eurosa yeah. Farms, for example. They're the only rose growers left mm -hmm. in in the region, and it's like apparently in the seventies there were like twenty, right. and there was just like one whole like aisleway of just roses. So it's really it's kind of sad, and I want to. Uh, like I don't think people know about this. They have this no is, idea. This is and part I of your man either. this is part of your mandate, right? With your company right. is is explaining this to people and it uh, is. helping people understand the impact 
that the flower industry has on the world. Yeah. You think that it's like, oh, flowers, plants, it's just it's so green. Great. It's beautiful. It's green, so there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Exactly. And but there's it, a huge right. and I didn't skeleton know in that this closet. At all until we until I like really started researching the industry and um it's what it blew me away. It's what got me really pumped to be in the industry because it kind of changed like the course of my business and where I was going with it because mm-hmm. once I learned where flowers are sourced and from, I was like, Well that's silly. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, but the auction, back to the auction, happens three times a week. Get up at four in the morning. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, <laughs> tell the fine folks what time it starts. It starts at 6 a.m. Because but, people open their shops and they want fresh flowers by the time, you know, and there's like weddings and things. So the flowers that So day. it starts at six, but you have to be there early because you have to check you out have, the inventory yeah. before you Yeah, so I walk it. the, it's like a massive, like warehouses. It's like huge. And um, just been. carts and carts and carts of flowers and in the winter it's cold <laughs> every time every day it's cold because it's you know climate controlled and it's uh, it's a cold place you go at five go at five because it takes about an hour to walk through everything and check out all of the flowers and make sure that they're you know you can kind of pinpoint what you want to buy mm-hmm. and then um yeah so i wake up at four thirty, as you know <laughs> fine yes i do know i do not wake up <laughs> with it's you. It's like 30 minutes away. But it's lucky that it's 40, 30 minutes away because it's like the largest. I believe it's the largest, if not second largest, but for sure one of those two in the North America flower auction. The biggest flower auction in it North America. Is in Burnaby, British Columbia. That's incredible. I know. And, <laughs> and I like randomly And it's at your doorstep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like how like it's just meant to be. Now, I've <laughs> I've been with you twice, I believe, and yeah. seeing you work. I, I'm you know, stumbling to get out the door with you at that time of the morning. But um, I get pumped. You're excited. You're like, yeah, you're like in your zone when you get to the auction. <laughs> but but you don't sit where everyone else sits. No. Like the people. Well, I mean, what, the yeah. people that that are ordering like for their retail shops or even like the big the big boys, the big girls for. Whole Foods and Safeway. The big ones have those little like windows in the back that you've seen. They oh, have these, they have their like, own. They have their own rooms. Booths. That's right. Box seats. They have box. Seats. Okay, you don't. Sit and they've with got like more people in there with computers like buying on the clocks. Okay. And you'll but see y- them whip up whole carts, and I'm like, I needed tulips, and I don't get any because they literally took it all because they can. Or Costco, they have all the buying power, right? Right, right, right. Support local. <laughs> but you, <laughs> so you don't sit with with any of the buy those regular buyers. You sit with the growers. I do. I. It was yes, I do. Um, and why? <laughs> um, well, when I first went in, I mean, I s- spent about five, six months researching the industry before, like joining it. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, I was joined, but I was, you know, I founded my company in November of 2017, mm-hmm. and um, didn't really open doors until April, late April um, of 2018. And in that time, I, you know, researched the flower industry, and I went to this flower auction and just watched because I'm like how does this work like this is you know I'm very I'm lucky to have this so close to us and obviously there's a lot of importers and people that bring in flowers but um this flower auction is where a lot of people go and to get you know their their goods so um I went in and I people it's like very clicky it's kind of weird um and there's a lot you know there's like it is set up like a college auditorium yeah it's a massive auditorium and there's like you know and it's bizarre because like the old kind of school florists they're so outrageously competitive it's crazy 
Um, mm-hmm. You've got, but it's like kind of like a school. I hate to say it, and not to be like I don't know if this is okay to say, but there's like clicks. Like there's like the Chinese crew, and all like the women sit around and they like buy coffees for each other, and they're like, you know, and it's uh, hilarious. And then there's like the old school Dutch crew, and they sit together, and they're like, you know, talking, speaking in like Dutch. It's just wild to see. Um, but you like to hang out with the Dutch crew. A lot of them are, are growers. They right? are. So you know, like the cool kids are in the back seats, like all the way up top and up high. Because they see their plants and flowers. That's being right. Bought. They're watching them, and yeah. So I sit. I ended up sitting, like, making friends with this guy, um, Alan Coline. Mm-hmm. I hope he listens to this. We're gonna get him <laughs> on the, this podcast. I know one of these we should. Too. Yeah. He's a really funny guy, um, but guy. he's like, you know, third generation Dutch grower slash also has a flower shop. Amazing flower designer. Like, it's just he's got like fields of eucalyptus. He bleeds um, green. Yeah, he bleeds. <laughs> does he bleeds <laughs> green? So good. You're so good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he he uh, he kind of sort of took me under his wing a little bit, but he also like didn't really because they're like all stubborn and stuff. He gives he gives you the gears at the same a time that bit, he, he helps he, you. It out, took right? a long time to get there, right? Yeah. Um, but I sat next to him, and he's like, "Why are you sitting here? Like, you can't sit here. You know, everyone's <laughs> gonna watch you if you sit here." And I'm like, "That's nice." And I sat anyway, and I listened. You know, all these growers come by and they chat, and they're like, "Oh, well, this is." This is crap this year, or this has like bugs, or these flowers. You're getting oh, don't the get inside those. scoop. I just listen, yeah. yeah, and you know I can sit with other florists, and they can you know complain about retail or design or their customers or whatever. Well, you're in the back <laughs> absorbing. I'm just listening to the growers like chit chat because we- it's interesting, and I get like totally like the inside scoop on yeah. what's happening on the farms, and you know who's who's good, who's who's not and- good. They're like, oh, don't buy that. I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, there was sap this year that like fell from blah 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 tree and, and it ruined the flowers. I'm like, what? Okay, not buying that. Okay, but I just like hear it. So I would just you listen. would you attribute most of your <laughs> floral expertise and potentially knowledge to that? Hmm. I mean, no, you you said you're self taught. You're you definitely self made. You did a lot of your own research, but yeah, I mean, you, you said you you learn a lot from. I've I'd learned a lot from doing. I've always been that kind of person. Yeah. Like I didn't go to business school. I <laughs> worked to get my business degree next to people and listened and watched. Um, just absorbed from. Uh, just absorbing, yeah. I mean, I jobs. I I learn more by doing, and I kind of did that with the flower industry. Yeah, and I like that you have to right when you're thrown in, you have no choice, and you learn a lot faster that way. It's like language, right? Like you, if you go to a place and live there for a while, you'll learn and pick it up much faster than if you study it. For me, it's always been that way. So. I just dove right in, and it's like, okay, I have to learn the Latin names because they're coming up on this four clocks right now, and I need to understand what I'm buying. Mm-hmm. And so it just starts like, you know, it just it just lands. Because you didn't – you haven't been doing this for all that long. Like, you, you no. started in flowers November and plants. November 2017 is when I did this. Yeah. This. yeah. And <laughs> since then, you studied a lot. You researched a lot. Yeah. But you have – you now have a, a store. A physical store. You, a physical well, you've been store, operating right. that for mm-hmm. a year and a half. Uh, more than that. Almost two years. Almost two. In April, it'll be two years. Where's your shop right now? On West Fourth Avenue in Kitsilano. It's a very fancy, fun neighborhood. Straight, and beachy. U Street. Fourth and U. Fourth and U. Y E W. Got Not it. Not Y O U. But you, Y O U, should get yourself down to Y E W, and buy yourself some flowers. <laughs> or plants, but yeah. Or plants beautiful books and we have an online store yes tell us about online what so obviously you can just buy bouquets and yeah really simple so 
kind of one of the things that I realized also when I learned about the flower industry, there were like two big aha moments. There was this, there was sustainability and realizing that flowers are flown in from all over the world. And I was like, this is crazy. And then there was the kind of traditional business model of a florist, which I was like, why do they do this? And it's essentially like the customer creates the demand. I mean, obviously that always happens anyway, but, but in this sense, it's like, I want, you know, 12 yellow tulips and some baby's breath in, you know, this bouquet at this time of year and where it's not in season. And the florist says, okay, because they want to please everyone. And then they literally buy it and fly it in from the Netherlands. And that's why they have it. No matter the ecological cost. Right. Um, exactly. And so, so you said, but not only is it bad for that. the planet, but it's also like you can't scale that. It's like anytime you get unique, you know, if it's a constant stream of unique orders, you're never going to be able to scale it. So um, especially when you're making flowers and something that is living and has a shelf life. Right. Um, so I just, I was like, well, that's silly. So, so you're flipping the script. Trying to, yeah. yeah. And other people are catching on too. I know that there's other companies that are doing this. Um, I, I only discovered it when I started researching. Um, you know, I've the learned. Industry. The industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've learned of other companies that are that actually they've wanted very successful in the States. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've, I've seen that people are doing the same thing. Because it really isn't scalable, and it's not good for the environment, as I've said like four times. Yeah. No. <laughs> good. Five, six, seven. Mm. I'll just keep hammering it in until people listen. <laughs> so online, yeah. obviously, it's e way easier to, to scale when everything's online. But you yeah. can you have subscription services, right? I have subscription That's like services. Big... And the bouquets that we have, we have like styled bouquets. Mm -hmm. So it's like they have a colorway, essentially. So it's like different colorways, and the flowers may change. Um, in due to season seasons, seasons. Yeah. yeah exactly so the flowers will change but the like feel and the style is the same and so that's what we have so people can't really come in and ask for something unique obviously we'll do weddings or events on occasion um, and for that everything is unique but that's like one-off things that we do right how often yeah. do you get people requesting custom like obviously this is your business model is what you're promoting but not everyone knows that you only do local Right. Because they might just come into your store and just expect to just get whatever they want. Yeah. So how often do they request? Often. Yeah. Um, but it's but they're really great about it. I mean, I've also There's, trained you my haven't staff. had a whole lot of pushback. No pushback. No uh, pushback. Not real. I mean, I can't say exactly like that. There's been zero, but um, when it's explained, like part of what my team does is educate people about this, right? And so after they explain it, without obviously shaming people for <laughs> getting flowers from elsewhere, like we don't want to like you know, virtue shame people and make them feel bad for, you know, any well, they don't clients. know. They don't know. Right. Yeah. And so we say it and we say, this is how we do it. And, um, and they're like, oh, cool. Most people are like, oh, okay, got it. And that's that. And it's fine. And so then they realize it and they're like, but here's the selection that you have of these gorgeous locally grown bouquets and all these styles. And they're like, great. And they pick one and they're happy. And do you, do you think that most of your success, your future success, will be attributed to the fact that you've st stuck to your guns on, on that principle. Um, do you feel like I think so? I I do. I think that the future of all businesses will this will be a determining factor of their success. Um, because it's your <coughs> brand, like that's part of your brand. Well, yeah, right? and it's really hard to become a sustainable brand post like launch and after being established because you have to, you know, from everything from to your, shift everything. everything, right? From your packaging to your, you know, like our, our stem wraps are from like marketing, 
marketing everything, everything yeah has like to change. exactly and so when so i started, started this it was this like way. curated mm-hmm. and like i mean it does it takes twice as long to create this right because you have to find these materials that don't necessarily exist it's probably one of the biggest challenges is finding like biodegradable backyard compostable materials to to you know use for for either like making big installations or um or just our everyday flowers and they're expensive right like i use this compostable um stem wrap that this amazing woman has created from the states she patented it now it's on amazon when i first met her she had like nobody was buying it and it cost a fortune to get it over the right. border but i'm like i'm doing it because i don't want to use plastics um and so you know it, it was it feels good to do stuff like that but it does take a lot of time and research um but yeah your company has to i mean for me and i think the young people of the future will hold companies accountable so there won't be you know you have to do this now like it's i don't think people will have a choice they're gonna ask they'll be like where do you get your flowers from like i can imagine like my niece who you met ellie she Mm -hmm. i'm sure she'd be like where do you get your flowers from what packaging do you use what do you is this uh pd you know what kind of plastic so you think the the up-and-coming consumer is going to be much more conscious oh yeah for sure i they won't have a choice i mean you've seen it already we've seen it already yeah and honestly there's going to be, you know, we're, we're seeing climate change and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And, you know, some people might turn this off right now because they don't believe in climate change. And that's that. Um, but the reality is the reality. We're hurting our environment. Um, Let's do by, something about it. By, yeah, being heavy consumers. And we need to do something about it. Yeah. And, you know, we can still get pretty things, but we have to think about how we're doing it. Agreed. Agreed. And for <laughs> someone that's it's only that really only just started a couple of years ago. It, it was like a brand new industry because you went from SpaceX and Tesla was your last <laughs> big gig. Well, no, I've had two gigs since then. We Sorry. haven't mentioned Dermalogica, by the way. You didn't mention it before, and Jane would kill me. Oh, uh, yes. Wind is like Former, what was your position at Dermalogica? I was her assistant. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And Ray Werwind, who's her, they founded the company together. Yeah. And then Jerry Wenker, who at the time was the president of the company. I like assisted all of them at the same time. And oh, like wow. a marketing guy. Right, right, right. CMO as well. Dan Ginsberg, Ginsberg at the time. That's right. Yeah. Who sorry, was the former CEO of Red Bull. Okay. Anyway. You've had, so you, anyway. sorry, you've had a few gigs <laughs> since SpaceX Tesla, but. No, that was before SpaceX Tesla. Oh my gosh. Okay. I <laughs> get it. Timeline. Get it. Timeline. But yes, after SpaceX Tesla, I went to a small startup as the chief of staff there to, mm-hmm. um, really I wanted to go to, cause I was interested in starting up startups and that's kind of what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got poached by Lululemon for a short time. I was there for 10 months and I really realized that, you know, I needed to do my own thing. And I sh- it took some time for me to figure that out. But post SpaceX Tesla, like, what do you do? That's cool and fun. Yeah. Why? If it's not your own. <laughs> why flowers? Because I asked you this a while ago. Yeah. I asked you, like, when we first <clears throat> met or when we first started dating, I asked you, are you a business person yeah. or are you a flower person? And you said both. Yeah. And so, why flowers? I know you said you wanted to do your own thing, so that, that kind of makes sense. The entrepreneurial spirit is alive. Yeah. But why did you choose to dive into Should I go into like, my Hawaii backstory? Do it. Okay. <laughs> Tell us the origins. Okay. Well, I lived in Hawaii for six years. I moved there when I was 19 with a carry-on suitcase and said I'd stay for like six months. And a ukulele. And a song in your heart. <laughs> I didn't own a ukulele yet. Okay. To go get a ukulele <laughs> to I play the to song go get, in your yeah, heart. To go get a ukulele. I lived <laughs> in the water, in the ocean. I surfed like all the time and mm. I literally was a water baby. But um, I, yeah, 
I obviously it's a place that has a lot of beautiful florals mm-hmm. and there it's like the smell when you got off the airplane you just smell plumeria and it's just oh so good and um anyway at the time when I was in, I ended up going to college in your university in at UH um University of Hawaii I didn't think that I was going to go to university I have a family who are the, who are the what's the what, yeah, don't ask what's, me what's about the sports. The I don't even know. Like, I am not a sports Aren't person. I was the, so um, academic. Oh, Rainbow Warriors. The Rainbow Warriors? <laughs> you hear that, UH? Wow. Get it together. <laughs> Once a Rainbow Warrior. <laughs> like, I know. And it's like, always these, like a Rainbow dudes who were like, I mean, like, how? I don't know. Um, I never went to a single game of anything. Okay. I, like, li- I was like Belle, like, walking through the, you know, and she walked through the town in the beginning of... Beauty and the Beast. Nose in a book. With the nose in a oh, book. Okay. I literally would walk around campus with my nose in a book. Okay. Yeah, that was me. Um, anyway. You hear that, UH? <laughs> Strictly academic. I was. Very much so. I was a, I was a good student. You know what? That reminds me of, um, you know how the, the national animal of Scotland? No. <laughs> the, the unicorn. Stop. What? Yeah. And now the University Why? of Hawaii is the Rainbow Warriors. The national animal or mascot? Mascot. What did I say? You said animal. Of Sorry. Some, did you? Am I crazy? The mascot of the <laughs> University of Hawaii. Rainbow Warriors. That's amazing. That's so weird. <laughs> like, what does it mean? Like, they, like, fight on the rainbow? Like, I don't know. They're colorful? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, I don't well, know. it's, it's a, a rainbow state, right? That's the state. So each state has, like, a thing. Like. Oh, okay. Right. Got it. Hawaii is the rainbow state. Oh, and, like, Tex- like Texas time. is the, the longhorn state. Right. Georgia. Georgia's the peach. Pe- peaches. Oh, right. okay. Maryland crabs. Hawaii owns rainbows. Hawaii owns rainbows. And there is sh- a rainbow like every day in Hawaii. And they share them with us sometimes. Ooh, through sports. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so flowers. U- okay, so UH. I worked like three jobs when I was in college to pay for school. Um, and my I was like working in restaurants and stuff like that. Um, did some glorified extra work. <laughs> On TV shows. And background acting. And then you will never be able to find it. What's it called? Nope. What do you mean? <laughs> Tell us. <clears throat> never. <laughs> if um, you if you ever see some listeners, if you ever see Alyssa Sager as an extra in any movie, <laughs> she, has, she, she hasn't even shown me. I don't even know what the movie's called. TV so please, shows. please clip it and send it to me. I and so on her birthday, I can share I don't it with even everyone. Know, honestly, I don't even know what some of them were. Like, I would get called. <laughs> And I was just like, I have a midterm, so I can't. Or it would be like, yeah, I just show up. And they're like, okay, wear this, this, this. And I'm like, okay. And like, I've, I was always like, it's a Hawaii thing. So I would be in like a bathing suit just walking around. Like, I'd like, like, like be walking back and forth. Or I was like a waitress once. They did like the best ponytail ever for me. I thought it was the coolest thing. Like, I've never had a ponytail that looks so good. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So I was doing that all this That got you through stuff. college. I, yeah. I was side hustling. Anything I could to make some money to pay for school. And then... Um, <clears throat> I had a roommate, Lavina, and she, who is now a police officer, by the way, which I find interesting. She was a flower girl. And in Hawaii, these girls, um, they have these like aunties that will just give them, you know, flowers and leis and hakus, which are flower crowns. And they go out and hit the clubs and restaurants and they sell flowers and they make a killing. She made more money than I did working like three jobs. And I, so back then I was like, this is a good idea. What if I like legitimize this, like actually formalize it, make it a business and like a model 
because all over the world people sell flowers you know like everywhere so restaurants they walk around in california all it's, through like redonda beach Huntington it's weird beach. here though it's because it's you know you get approached by someone who wants to sell you a, a rose or a that's flower that's what i'm saying so like in hawaii it's like super cool and like the guy you know guy the girls go into clubs and the guys are like we'll pay 10 bucks for a rose to send to a woman across the way the girl the over there yeah. the girl over there get her a rose okay 10 bucks and like here's 10 for you too because you're you know whatever and like they make all these tips uh, yeah yeah so yeah. like literally these girls are like making so much money hustling flowers and it's awesome um you know it's like a cool thing to do she was also in school so she just like it was like so easy for her um but i i think if it were legitimized like you know it could potentially take off right and so this was like my original idea i was like i want to legitimize the flower girl and like make it like flower people walking around in like beautiful uniforms um you know selling flowers in a not so I don't know what's the word that I'm looking for. Aggressive way. I don't know. Not like my roses in your face or something like that. Right. Nor- um, normalizing and, it and making it right, making it a thing and like making it like oh you go like and I I actually and it's like oh it's the flower girls make people excited. Right, and like they could bring other make things. It I, a this still thing. might happen, by the way. Right. It's like a little off. I really want to have people walking through clubs and like nice restaurants and just. People do like it. It's yeah. actually cool. With these big baskets, they just walk around like as if they had like a big tray of drinks, but it's a basket of flowers, yeah. and they, they sell flowers. Anyway, so post, yeah, I kind of knew that's how I started thinking about getting into the flower business, um, and I started there, and I was like, you know, lays, flower crowns, what if I sold them, and like stems of flowers in clubs and bars. And then um, I actually talked to like Cactus Club and different bars, and it, the city makes it difficult to do these things. Um, in the states, it'd be a lot easier. Right. <laughs> but, Regulations and red tape. Right. Mm-hmm. So just in that, that's where this started, and then that research really shifted, and my trajectory of the company shifted when I realized where flowers were flowing from. I was like, "What? I'm changing this." You're and like, that, okay. That's, yeah, I was like, "This can't happen anymore." Because and, because flowers from Hawaii, well, that you'd have to fly them in, right? Uh, not or, many are grown there. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, so, I mean, obviously, Plumeria is a big one. Jasmine, which is Pua Kini Kini there. Ugh, it smells so good. I wish oh, I could it have. What's it called? Pua Kini Kini. Pua Kini Kini. I mean, yeah. Hawaii has or, got sorry, some... Or sorry, Pikake is Jasmine. I'm sorry. Pua Kini Kini is another flower. Okay. Yeah. You could have... Pikake is could've... Jasmine. Yeah, okay. well, other people will know. <laughs> yeah. well, okay, because um, Hawaii has some crazy names for things. Yeah, right, you didn't have my names for flowers, but they're and they're amazing. But a lot of those flowers are flown in from Indonesia, um, from uh, Malaysia. A lot of orchids and like jasmine are flown in from Malaysia and India. Like it's crazy. I mean, you would never know. Just for like a single lay or haku. That's right. <laughs> so you're like, oh, gutted. I can't. Yeah. Do I mean, that the model reality exactly. is we might not be able. I mean, what I think is cool is if you invest time and energy and and into the science behind growing you could potentially grow something like jasmine in a cold winter in vancouver right like you have to kind of this is possible i don't think it's impossible if we're like you know launching people (laughs) potentially to mars we can grow some jasmine build a a, greenhouse we can build a greenhouse actually you know what they they have those who the people greenhouses they have them i know (laughs) but they can't they can't like the growers would scoff at me. I've said this to them, and they're like, they roll their eyes. And can't like, do it you, yourself. You can't do. Well, they're oh, like, you can't do it. It's impossible. Taking away their business, right? And I'm like, don't tell me it's impossible. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> that definitely drives you, right? Like yes. someone tells you you can't. Yeah, I'm like, that's nice. I'm mm-hmm. doing it. <laughs> and so, because you, because right now at your shop, you 
you sell hakus, you sell leis. Yeah. But they're local. Local flowers. Local flowers. Yeah, yeah. Um, we sometimes get tuberose in, which is amazing. It smells so good. Where's your tuberose from? Um, there's a woman that grows it like four hours north. She's like uh, literally in her backyard growing tuberose. That's amazing. I know. Does, <laughs> and it smells it so good. Directly from her or is she shipped to the auction? No, directly from her. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so that's the other thing, right? Establishing growers, finding people that will, like you can do like standing orders with farmers. Um, and that's what I eventually, and I don't know if you're ready for me to talk about this, but that's Ta- the future for me. Tell me. I want to grow. Yeah. I mean, I want to, but I want to do it like sustainably. And there's so much, so many people doing this. Like I can't tell you how many college students are like, I'm working on this like project right now. And, or I'm looking into sustainability and like growing and farming and all this stuff. And it's, it's a thing, right? And sustainable. people want to be involved with it. Well, and sustainable growing with, with everything from, you know, your lettuces to flowers. Um, and like, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to power these things from, geothermal and solar and wind and rain i mean rainwater here in vancouver it's like come on no brainer gotta use it yeah free so, free source of water free, yeah yeah because you have you have your own um what is it it's a tesla power wall yeah right because <laughs> you have a it's a trailer i have a little off-grid trailer yeah and then but you take that to festivals and events mm-hmm. um to pop up and that's just like a mobile flower shop it's a mobile flower shop powered well, it's powered solar powered, by solar, right? and then the power wall is a battery pack. So, right. and how did you how did you swing yourself one of those? Because they're not they're, you can't really get those. Am I, allowed to tell them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I asked my old boss. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it. I was like, come on, like I, you know, I probably get like an ask a year, maybe. Oh, okay. And so that yeah. was that that year. That's that right. You were ask. you were right hand to Elon Musk for. I was few years mm-hmm. working spacex tesla mm-hmm. that's amazing and it's, yeah <laughs> no i'm just like i'm i'm stunned well i knew this but um I'm, I'm sure a lot of people like are quite stunned because like yeah i hopped you hopped from, from rockets to roses yes. Alyssa sager <laughs> that's me this is your this is the name of the episode this is definitely he made that up and i was like Done. so good so tell <laughs> i want i want you to dive into spacex tesla because you must have seen like some yeah because you're involved with some crazy minds mm-hmm. and by crazy i mean like incredible brilliant yeah and brilliant people. everyone and you met a lot of people but you but you're trying to send people to mars yeah. like you were a part of that i was a part of <laughs> how long were, did you work there for um almost five years all right I think. yeah i'm really bad with time but something like that long enough to see some shit yeah, I mean, it's when it comes to, yeah, I mean, it's like dog years there. Like the, the growth was so extreme when I was there. I mean, it was just a few hundred people when I started. Mm-hmm. And now it's like 10, I don't even know how many thousands of people work um, at SpaceX. I don't even know. The numbers have shifted dramatically since I've left mm-hmm. um, a few years ago. But yeah, the just seeing successes and that, that the growth was amazing. Um, I can't even explain it. <laughs> And you, I know that there's certain things you you can't talk about because there's That's you're right. literally s- legally sworn to secrecy. Well, I mean, yeah, for a lot of stuff. But it's also, I mean, SpaceX is a it's a State Department secured facility, and their you know rockets are considered munitions, so right. they're manufacturing. Um, so I, you know, I obviously have to keep my lips 
concealed a little bit about some things, mm -hmm. but you know, we're not going to go into the technical details no, of, of a course. rocket, so I think it's okay. That's fine. <laughs> and but I probably don't even know enough technical uh, anything, but especially you've now. But you've yeah. explained a lot to me about rockets. Like I, mm -hmm. so I, because you're based in, has, oh, sorry, SpaceX is based in Hawthorne, California, which is Hawthorne. like a hop, skip, and a jump from Lax, the LA airport. Mm -hmm. Like 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. And because you said you've, <clears throat> I mean, you've seen the engineers and the scientists and and Elon himself coming together to to test these things and launch these things. Yep. That was my everyday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming together for sure. Lots of meetings. Yeah. Like back to back with, yeah. Was it ever, like, I mean, I mean, that, like you said, it's just your everyday. Like it wasn't, but... No, it, it was, was never. Not. It was never mundane, though, right? It must have been. It was never ever mundane, yeah. <laughs> ever. Um, that is like the last word I would ever <laughs> use <laughs> to describe my experience there. No, because you, because you, <clears throat> you've met obviously, like, like I said, the engineers, scientists, the brilliant minds behind. Yeah, I mean, they were my coworkers, right? It's yeah, not like it was pretty normal. Yep. But you've, but you uh, ran into like astronauts. And celebrities. But they are also my coworkers, and, right. babe. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the celebrities weren't coworkers. No, but so yeah, because um, SpaceX is is definitely you correspond with NASA like constantly, right? Well, NASA is a partner of SpaceX. Right. So when sp the first initial contract, so I was there through the COTS program, which was the commercial orbital. Hold on, where am I? COT transportation system. Got it. Um, yeah, and that was the contract to compete to to take cargo to and from the International Space Station. Um, and in 2010, or I don't really know the dates. It's been a while. In the past. In the past. Um, yeah, so we were competing to get the contract to bring cargo um, up, and eventually humans, which that was not part of this contract. But that that was there were three uh, missions that we had to complete to get through that process of testing, and that's all through NASA. And NASA, NASA was a partner, and they... If we were to win the contract, it's a $1.3 billion contract to take, you know, 12 or 13, I forget how many, um, like, you know, dra dragon capsules, which is the top of the rocket, the actual. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the ISS to give astronauts things like toilet paper and bring back the trash. That's pretty much <laughs> what it was. <laughs> it's just a maid service, an outer space <laughs> maid <of>. service. <laughs> but there's also hey, cool it's good money, though. projects, sending yeah. cool things. It was cool. When you come back, you get patches. Uh, everybody gets a patch that was flown in space from oh. each mission. Yeah. So I've got some you cool have patches. One. I've got a lot of patches. You from, have a lot. But we weren't launching as often as they are now. Like now it's insane. They're launching like weekly, I mean, which is the goal. Yeah. And reusability was the goal. Making, um, so I would laugh to like Turning as, it into Uber <laughs> for our space. Eventually. More like reusing the rockets um, because it's costly and it's you know, ridiculous. Like rockets had in the past always landed in the ocean and salt ruins metals um, and you can never reuse that. And so um, the salt water. And so Elon's primary goal was to land the rocket and make rockets reusable. So you just land it and then refuel it, you know, and make sure to check it and all the you know, nuts and bolts are good. Mm -hmm. And then you put it back up and that would save an enormous amount of money. And he's done that. Well, Lars Blackmore has also done that. <laughs> he's the guy that really <laughs> created that code. And I, it's amazing to watch that happen, right, from, like, the grasshopper stage of this project and testing the little grasshopper to actually, you know, dual landings of rockets making, like, you know, like, choreographed landings. It's ridiculous. <laughs> There's, yeah. It's just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I remember I 
I watched that uh, the first choreographed landing yeah. of those rockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was blown away, and I, I had only remembered to watch it that morning yeah. and turn it on and i was you know so it's, like everyone's that, huddled around this laptop and we're like what this and is maybe huddled around like in mission control i would sit often with like the nasa side like on the other side of there's two mission controls and mm. like, yeah, i don't know what i'm supposed to say here um that's fine um but the, that's that's we when were, that's when people from let's say from the the capsule they would shout down to mission control there, there were no people in the capsule they but they would that's where that's where Houston we have a problem comes from. Hopefully there will be no problems shouted to Houston in no. the future. <laughs> but that's where Mission Control is. If NASA. Mission right? no. In Houston? Well, there's Houston, there's Florida, Cape mm-hmm. Canaveral. Right. So there's and SpaceX has the Mission Control there, but mi- Mission Control in Hawthorne, California is the main Mission Control for SpaceX. Right. Um so like if Dragon is up and flying, it is being controlled by Mission Control in Hawthorne, California. Got it. Right. And so, anyway, yeah, cool experiences. I don't you, even. You <laughs> met. Tell tell the fine folks, which astronauts <laughs> did you meet? I met a lot of astronauts. Yeah. <laughs> like there's yeah. I mean I don't even know a lot. Um. I mean it's like they're part of. It's the normal. Pro- like yeah. I mean, uh, the astronauts that worked at SpaceX at the time that I was there is Ken Bauer Sox and Garrett Reisman, who, um, yeah, Ken was like the old school, like, you know, all American, like, perfect human, upstanding man, <laughs> like, of an astronaut that you could ever imagine. And Garrett was like the cool, like, went on the Colbert show and was like, yeah, like, fun. <laughs> Space younger, is neat. Spunky astronaut. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're, they're pilots and engineers, and there are a lot of very smart people that work at these companies, like the guy that you know, wrote the code to land the rockets or the right. guidance and navigation people or the people that are like, you know, these guys are also. So I'm equally as impressed by the astronauts as I am by the people that are creating. The whole team. The whole, yeah. I mean, it really does take a village, and it's amazing. I'm the most interesting and most amazing people I ever met are the people that I worked with there. Yeah. So, yeah. But you absorbed a lot of information from those people too, right? Because Oh, I ask like a million questions all the time. I'm like, what is this? What is that? I mean, I'm always, I'm a curious person. Absolutely. I think. Um, but then it's also, there's also the business side of it too, right? Because it's not right. just the science. Um, they're a private company. Mm-hmm. The only private rocket company what is there are more now um right yeah but i mean spacex has gone the definitely farthest. definitely the wealthiest and spacex is way ahead of the game yeah. um you know other programs and other companies are trying to do it there's a new cool company called relativity space i think and a lot of my friends have gone there or virgin orbit which is not the same i don't know actually what they're or virgin galactic i don't remember okay. um but they're doing different things and they're more staying within the atmosphere and just like taking people up on like tour rides and coming back down, not really going into like orbits, which requires like orbital science and it's a very totally different thing. Right. Anyway. <laughs> and, and, and so while yeah. you're absorbing and asking all these questions, being super curious in mm-hmm. this role, which would be amazing. It's like a dream job, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Yeah. What I you mean, you took you took a, a lot, lot of business acumen from that as well, right? Yeah, I think through all of my jobs, like sitting next to the CEOs, it's it's an interesting role because you do get a bird's eye view of how companies are operated and run. And, um, you know, other than just like answering phones and 
booking meetings. I was you like run a fly the on the well. I was a fly <laughs> on the wall. I'd say right. You know, I definitely listened. Um, if I could have like recorded every conversation, right, that would be horrifying. But <laughs> I would like love to rehear some of these amazing conversations. I'm more interested in like some of the engineering stuff. I think, but anyway, I think yeah. you could probably share a lot of stories if you yeah. ever wrote a book. Not gonna happen. No, you couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. You couldn't share that stuff. No, I don't but, think so. Yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> but because yeah. you didn't because you didn't go you didn't go to school you weren't at um, UH for business. No, I studied history right. and women's studies. <clears throat> um, not business at all. But I've I think I've always been good at business. Just, no, no, just I don't know. Entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, yeah, I've had an entrepreneurial spirit for sure. Um, and that's like requires a bit of that's why free you're... spiritedness, but also like resourcefulness and like really trying to figure things out, right, mm-hmm. and make things better or i don't know the new age entrepreneur <laughs> yeah you have to have some more conscious entrepreneur yeah. entrepreneur real entrepreneurism <laughs> entrepreneurism entrepreneurship there it is sure god damn it it can be all of these things entrepreneurship <laughs> but more more conscious being more conscious about it because that, <clears throat> that's the model of your current business yeah and i wanted to ask you about about ladybuds well first of all it's pronounced ladybuds, like L-A-D-Y-B-U-D-S. That's how you pronounce it. That's right. But that's not how you spell it. It's L-E-I-S, like a Hawaiian lay. Yeah. D-E of buds, B-U-D-S. Because that's what lays are. They're lays of flower buds. Because I've... And it's like ladybuds. Like, it's kind of cute. It's like a play on words, Hawaiian, little French because I'm in Canada. I, my original and you support name, women. And I support women. <laughs> Original name was going to be Fleur de Lay. Ah. And um, I had that branded and all the stuff done. And then I realized that it was in, like taken and I couldn't use the name by a clothing company in Hawaii. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's over. And then I had to, I spent like, the lawyers told me and I was devastated. And I spent uh, maybe five days like just playing with names. And then I came up with Ladybuds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because most people, but most people really can't pronounce it the first time they read it, right? It's the worst. It's like actually a really bad name. I know. Because I've 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 heard <laughs> like, people try it. Brand? I've heard people say lace lace or less the buds. It's like if I drop the S, it'd be fine. But uh, it is a bad name. I know. What's the worst? <laughs> what's the worst you've you've got? Lace or no? Uh, I don't know. Les the buds. Les the buds. Ugh. Has a weird uh, yeah, connotation. Weird. <laughs> sure <Yeah>. does. <laughs> I'm like I'm not a les the bud. Wait, lady buds. So, yeah, you have a. I know you have because uh, I've been there when people come in to your store, or or if you're at a festival or something, and they right. ask if you're selling weed. Yeah, because we were next to a weed shop. Okay. For the first year, yeah, we we were next to a pot shop. But you don't. We don't. You don't sell weed. I don't sell weed, but I probably should. <laughs> if I got in the market, I'd, I'd make a lot more money. Yeah, make more sense for the for some people that come in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a it's a fun atmosphere in there though, right? Like I've I've met yeah. I've I've met some of your staff. We've got you know we've got <clears throat> to know them pretty well. Mm-hmm. We're friends with them outside of work too. Yeah, you we got an amazing team. You created that atmosphere right from the get. What what was your focus? What is your focus when it comes to staff and culture in your company? Right. So culturally, I focus. Like for the company, obviously sustainability, 
<clears throat> but for culturally, um, two things. I talk a lot with my team about psychological safety, this concept that was coined, I guess, by this woman who did a bunch of research for her, like, I don't know, PhD program, mm -hmm. and then eventually Google hired her, I believe. I hope I get the story right. Um, hired her to become, um, like, to continue her studies within their organization, and her main question was, what is it that um, that makes companies innovative and continuously innovative? And, um, and, you know, she's like, type A personalities, or is it, you know, it could it be, you know, they're Myers-Briggs or whatever. Yeah. And ultimately, after like years, like 15 years of study, she ultimately came to the conclusion that it was psychological safety and this concept that people have the freedom to like make suggestions, bring up their ideas and like have a safe space to to be human and be themselves and, you know, s and be a part of things. And like this this concept really when I read that, I was like, wow that really hit home. So I've kind of one, I've incorporated that into the culture of my company. And I talk a lot about that. Um, and I think that kind of ties into with and the other piece of the cultural aspect that I like to bring in is um, normalizing women in the workplace and um, empowering women. I mean, that's like such a bland statement, but it matters a lot to me. Um, and what do you mean by normalizing women in the workplace? Or is that right. what you said? Yeah, like yeah. I think, um, you know, companies are often run or have been in the past by men and so standard practice is to like hold in the women kind of things that are just normal for women and those things like I don't know anything from speaking about having children or um our periods oh my god gross <laughs> I said it I said it what I know in the workplace you know what's crazy last night I was reading this article about this and it was it was saying that um this woman's like making a ton of money because she's determined when you should exercise and like how women should like create like their habits around their cycles their menstrual and like luteal or whatever cycles and it was like the best time for you to work and like your brain is like on fire because your hormones really do navigate both of like men and women women more on a monthly men on daily um but our hormones really do navigate like a lot of who we are and to discuss this and to have it be like okay i am excessively hormonal like estrogen or progesterone is like dropped significantly in the last few days and like to know this stuff and really understand you know why you are feeling why you're feeling or if you have headaches or you know cramps god forbid we talk about it but don't talk about it in the workplace though <laughs> i mean cramps suck y'all <laughs> and it's a thing Surprise. yeah and some people are just it's like bad you know or or getting headaches or just even having like and it's but not so much health is another really big one, you know, and, and it's not so much that you are forcing the, these conversations in your all. workplace, no, we're but, working. but you, <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone sit down. It's time to talk about periods. No, nope, we're not doing that's that. Not, that's not, a, no, but you want it. You're, but I don't want people to feel uncomfortable talking about no, it's, it's the empathy that you're talking about, right? You're yeah. Creating an empathetic that's right. environment. And to, with children, people with children, like understanding what that means. Because there's a lives. huge stigma. Mm -hmm. around people in business or just working just even as an employee having children and how that affects their work everything, or everything right. yeah and to and some so extent it does and understanding how it does mm -hmm. is important of course it does in some way right like for one thing their focus will no longer be on you and your business um as their number one priority they got, it new is, priorities. They got a baby <laughs> yeah. and that child is number one always and mm -hmm. just understanding that and 
being okay with it is like, okay, you have another priority and that's more important than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and, but also I was talking to you about this a while ago. Um, one of my teammates has a three-year-old son and she's like been my number one the girl has been with me since day one since i started hiring people in and she has helped me grow the company and is so amazing and she's got this amazing son um but part of when i interviewed her um you know i i I, when you're talking about empathy i feel like this is kind of what you're discussing because when i was interviewing her i i was like are you nervous are you worried about coming back into work you know um, post childbirth because she was she has not had, she hadn't had a job in, since giving birth and having a kid and she's like yeah you know and this is something that women don't talk about and like aren't supposed to in job interviews right it's like oh my gosh I'm so scared but like all of almost all of my friends have kids and almost all of them have said to me that it's frightening you know your body has gone through so many changes your hormones have gone through so many changes your life has changed right and like the confidence is lost. Women lose, so not every woman, of course, but a lot of women use, lose a lot of confidence post uh, giving birth. Mm-hmm. And they're worried that like their mind's not going to work or, you know, because like hormones. Really or they'll be judged for so many any things. reason. Right, exactly. And so just being able to talk about that, right, like in the interview process and like, yeah, are you worried? Because I, so many of my friends are like just so nervous that they're not going to do well and like you just got to get your confidence back. Like you got to get your mojo back. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, and then and she's been like amazing. And, like, and you're supplying that place. For, right. Like just saying like, I get it. Like it sucks. And don't worry. Like I got your great. back. Yeah, yeah you'll yeah. be awesome. And I'll empower you to, to succeed. So in a way, you're time. almost like an, uh, um, an incubator for women in the workplace or in the workforce. Yeah. Could you consider yourself that? Incubation, pregnancy, it sounds like. <laughs> I know, it's kind of... It's, <laughs> it's a weird a, word. <laughs> very smart, very calculated choice of words there. Incubation hub. Yeah. Right, yeah. But that's... Yeah. that's Because that's one of your big MOs. I mean, it's a very... Because you... I guess, like... Mm-hmm. You, you you love women. You're, you're a big fan of, of supporting them. I am, and I think it comes from... And I'm certainly not singling out any single company organization that I've worked in but I think and I've worked in restaurants and all sorts of places but it's atrocious how women are treated in business I've never felt so like put down and just I mean literally ideas stolen from my mouth in a meeting and I like watching and I'll try to speak up and someone's like shh don't you know don't talk and I'm like what Mm. the hell is happening like just silenced and it's like actually that was my idea and actually like what is happening like this is a constant like what I understand from a lot of women this is like what happens to them in in the workplace and I'm you know I I think part of me with creating this company was I, I remember going to this um birthday party in Whistler and in this big, like ski retreat thing, and there was a bunch of like women fun, like entrepreneurs there, and it was cool. And um, we were talking about like what can we do to like empower women in like the workplace and to change the shift this. And this was like at the height of the Me Too um, stuff going on, mm-hmm. the Me Too movement. And it was just it was like kind of you know exciting that this stuff was finally coming out and like okay to talk about because so many women have experienced these things that are you know discussed in this movement um but also everyone was just saying like what do we do what can we do and 
the reality in my like you know what I had said is you have to become the person you want to see in the world right like this is like a mm-hmm. common quote but it's true I mean you have to if, if you want to see more women leaders you have to become a woman leader <laughs> you know if you want to see more like if you want to normalize women in the workplace you have to be the leader to do that right so you have to have people like taking on the roles of leadership and you know showing how awesome and smart and rad they are <laughs> in the workplace <laughs> women aren't threats what no oh okay you yeah, mean we can work with thing. them? <laughs> I know. That's like super weird, the threatening thing. I've no, I mean, I've, yeah, I've. Better together. Better together. I've definitely grown up being seen as a threat. I'm, I've had a lot of experience with that. Because you have a voice. I have a voice. <laughs> yes, you do. She's an amazing singer, folks, by the way. <laughs> um, No, it's, yeah, I have a voice, but I think it's also like looks and, you know, like there's a lot to that. And I think. It's a complex subject, and, you know, I've been accused of some really weird stuff, and it's, like, not okay. Um, you know, and it's it's a really hard thing to navigate, and, like, yeah, threatened, feeling threatened or jealous is, like, it's such nonsense. It's just women, immature. It's immature, and women yeah. need to, like, step back and, like, look at themselves and step it up, you know? Step back like, and step up. Step back and step up. That's a dance move. And then and a business lean move. in or whatever. And lean in. <laughs> I don't want to quote Sheryl Sandberg right now. I feel like she's people are hating her right now, <laughs> given what she's created at Facebook. So with these yeah. with these qualities incorporated into your business, like huge on the sustainability, huge on female empowerment, uh-huh. or is people empowerment too? Because you don't single out. I don't. Any, any when, like either. I have like, amazing men. Well, it's interesting hire, that you, you say staff. that because yeah. part of women's studies and like you know people are like women's studies. You study women. I'm a guy. I'm gonna take that course. <laughs> anyway, that's <laughs> what a lot of people think. Um, but part of women's studies, it's not just studying women. It's studying like oppression and systemic, like systematic oppression, where you have and there's a lot of oversecting and intersecting oppressions that kind of occur, um, and it's not just women, right? And women or ethnic, you know, ethnic women or women of different colors and shapes and sizes get like, you know, double, triple, quadruply oppressed because they are, you know, like there's... All these scarlet letters. Right. Yeah. And so, and, you know, there's a lot of stigmas out there and I try to like keep an open mind and keep my people happy and have a diverse environment. Yeah. And where are you going? with your business like what where are your big i know you said you want to grow <coughs> your own stuff yeah and but where like what are your big big dreams like where is it where do you hope to to take it to the most extreme level obviously business people want to make more money but there's more to it than that right because you yeah. strongly believe in a sustainable approach that's more expensive yeah but you want to scale so <coughs> what where do you see yourself where do you see yourself in five years five ten fifteen twenty years best (laughs) quotes that i've read from people who've asked this question yeah in an interview it's like some meme and it's like i see myself and there's dumbledore and i've won the house cup oh my god and it's like that's like how to answer the question about where you see yourself in five years in an interview i was like if somebody actually said that to me i'd hire them in five seconds I've won the house cup. Just to understand how ridiculous <laughs> that question really is. But I get what you're saying. Now, the future of the company, yeah. I can't say exactly when. Um, no, no no timelines. <laughs> where where are you taking it? Yeah, I think um, 
Well, I'd like to have little, you know, ladybuds hubs where I offer this to people everywhere. Um, uh, starting growth in North America and who knows where after that. Um, so creating more ladybuds and have and but I also want to grow. But I want to create like I want to. There's so much empty space on rooftops in cities and lots of people talk about this and like what can we do I want to make greenscapes or whatever but I would love to build rooftop greenhouses mm-hmm. and have yeah it'd be really cool and have them like kind of couple as community spaces learning spaces and then event spaces where you can like host weddings right I mean I have like a very whimsical feel my stores like got swings and it's just like trees everywhere and um, like boho Cape Cod meets like I don't know it's weird, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want the gre- I, I imagine Secret Garden right, just like beautiful greenhouses with swings and areas to just like lay down and read a book or something. Um, so and a like greenhouse, grab some tea. a greenhouse for every rooftop. A greenhouse for every rooftop, and then a little ladybuds underneath selling the beautiful yeah. flowers. Yeah, you yeah. Just, you just throw them downstairs. I'd just ready toss to roll. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's an amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing. Um, it's gonna be goal. really hard to do. I mean, it's a long ways away. To be honest, it's it costs a lot of money, and I need to make sure that my model right now is sustainable. So mm-hmm. really, it's getting right now in the short term. It's getting more people to buy online, more people to subscribe, and get beautiful flowers. So, so many people just pick up flowers at the grocery store, and it's like. Even those flowers, even Whole Foods. I'm calling you out, Amazon Whole Foods. That's right. <laughs> you get flowers from Ecuador, and, and yeah, they might be ethically sourced, but there's, you know, doesn't mean it's good for the environment. Yeah. And they're the Amazon now, so they're degrees you know, of taking away ethics. Local. Yeah. yeah. Which ethics? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not all of them. Just. And they won't last as long. There you go. It's true though. Flowers that are cut. I mean, imagine you know, just like the logic of it. A flower is cut in South Africa. It goes on a truck that's refrigerated onto an airplane that's refrigerated. And then it lands in two other spots before hitting Vancouver. And then it finally gets to you. So it's like taken, you know, anywhere from a day to, well, sorry, not a day, because a day it takes to just get it to the airport. Just right? travel time. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's say three days to a week and a half of travel time. Right. Before it gets to you. And like flowers go to sleep at a certain temperature, essentially. Most flowers, um, if they haven't like opened up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how this happens. That's how this works. Like just above freezing, flowers just kind of go to sleep and they last. But they w- But regardless, it's a real living thing. So if it is cut and sitting in you know, a box for a week and a half, it will not last, last as long on your table as something that's cut from the day before from, you know, Eurosa Farms. Down the street. <laughs> right. And so it's like a logic. So, yeah, well, those grocery store flowers aren't going to last as long because they took a long trip to get here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it might be a little cheaper, but, like, what is the actual cost? Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah. Support local. Support local. Hashtag. <laughs> local business. Hashtag. Ladybuds. <laughs> what are some things that, because this is a, a business-oriented podcast, what are some things that you... What kind of wisdom would you like to impart on the listeners um, business-wise? If, if you're talking about like Vancouver-specific or just business in general, what are, what are your best tips? Wow. Maybe, maybe top one, two tips for, for the listeners That's who either want to start a business or that are just starting and they're trying to figure, navigate the landscape I would say be resourceful in in the sense that like look outside of your business's um, 
like traditional bubble bubble yeah okay like with flowers like or just even you know like a lot of people in the flower industry will go and they'll use floral foam and like they have to do installations exactly like this and like i'll you know instead like macgyver like weird lamp posts or but oh the video's out it's fine okay yeah it probably ran out of storage it's fine <laughs> okay i got lots of good material yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah like we'll navigate um or, or navigate it's hard sorry it's hard to like find these things i lost my train of thought you're saying go outside of your of the traditional yes. source of knowledge go out, being yeah, resourceful exactly. outside of the traditional yeah, bubble and so of like knowledge. looking at other industries so and i feel fortunate in that i've worked in so many industries that like i kind of have seen you know where whether it's marketing or digital assets or coding for websites or like you know all, all of the above um or just building things or like a different way of looking at manufacturing um really like you know, looking at different industries and seeing what you can pick up and change, you know, to make it more your own, your own, right? And more efficient, perhaps, you know, some way to disrupt it to, or make it unique. I hate that word. <laughs> Never use the word again. Welcome to business school. I, I can't tell you how disrupt. much I hate business puzzles. <laughs> Don't say it again. Okay. <laughs> it's the worst. When I worked for Elon, I would get a million emails a day. As a disruptor, disruption awards. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. Never, ever. <laughs> I even, I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of people consider themselves entrepreneurs. And um, I'm like, what have you done? I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't consider myself. You don't? One. No, you have to make money and like actually <laughs> succeed a few times over. Like, and I see someone that's a success, successful entrepreneur, they've, you know, sold companies or made their millions or whatever. Like, just because you have an idea and like it's a matter of can you execute it? Can you finish it? Can you you know, do it well and make money and make it stable for a long period of time. And that takes a decade, you know? There's the spirit versus the execution. Right. So when like a 20-year-old's like, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, what have you done? They're like, oh, well, nothing yet. But I mean, I, I started ideas. an Instagram page. Yeah, so. I started an Instagram page. Yeah. I have these ideas. It's like, no, that does not mean you're an entrepreneur. I'm you trying might to have the spirit, that but, <laughs> <laughs> but like do some stuff, right. you know? You have to like get, you know, you have to work to become an entrepreneur. That's, that's tip number two. That's tip number two. Work. Like work crazy. If you think you're just gonna get like a th like the three day work week, yeah, freaking right. Like <laughs> that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. I work <laughs> nearly twenty four hours a day. That's not true. I sleep. you work a lot. I work a lot, you but do. you have to. I you won't be successful if you don't. You know, I think that's the difference between actually people that like succeed in business and people that don't. It's like the people that actually want to work hard and try. And like put in the time and mm. effort. Mm. So people get lazy. They're like, you know what? I just don't want to do this. And it's like, yeah, well, you won't. That's why you that's fail. Why, that's why I'm doing it and yeah. better. <laughs> and you're not because that's, yeah, because they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Like people just, they don't want to do, they don't want to put in the effort. And that's okay. Um, but if you want to be an entrepreneur, be prepared to work all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to, then you're not doing the right thing. You know? Like. Find something else. Find something Find else. your passion. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Agreed. We got to wrap up. <laughs> video, video died. My phone ran out of storage, but yeah. the audio is still going, so that's great. Um, where can people find you? Ladybuds. My cell phone. I'm just kidding. My cell phone number. My cell phone number is. Yeah. So online, www.ladybuds.com. L-E-I-S-D-E-B-U-D-S. -E -E yep. It's hard to spell and pronounce. <laughs> there you have it. But then. that's what it is. It's ladybuds.com. And mm -hmm. then um, 
we are on 2202 West 4th Avenue in Kitsilano, mm-hmm. British Columbia. And that's, yeah, that's our store. And what's your what's your socials? What are your social handles? At you Ladybuds. In- Instagram. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Okay. At Ladybuds. Got it. Yeah. Follow us. I'll give you something. I'm lying. I won't. Maybe we'll have a little <laughs> uh, giveaway, like a Nanya podcast, Ladybuds. I like it. For all of my subscribers. All of them. All of them. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> Alyssa Sager. That's me. Honey baby. Skylar Dietz. I'm just kidding. Skylar Dietz. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my first episode. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Love you lots. Love you too. Okay. Thank okay. you so much, everyone, for listening. And uh, definitely throw up some comments either for me or Alyssa. Um, you heard her handles. Mine is Skylar underscore Dietz on Twitter. Um, the Instagram handle is Nanya Podcast. And remember, the previous was Nanya Business. Hey. See ya. <laughs>so much for listening to another episode of Nanya. Please share this episode with your network and shoot me a comment on Twitter at Skylar underscore Dietz or on our Instagram page at Nanya Podcast. So until next time, have a great day.